Merry Christmas, everybody. If I haven't already had an opportunity to wish you a Merry Christmas or get to see you, um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we had a great Christmas Eve service on Friday night over at our church, at New Hope Baptist Church, and many of you attended, and it was a great candlelight service, and, and it, it felt really full in there, real uh, crowded in, in a way that was um, a healthy crowd, and, and so I want to praise the Lord for that, and it was a wonderful time in, in just short of worshiping God in the candlelight, and um, no, no church burned down, and uh, we had a great time, so I trust that you um, had a great Christmas. And uh, that, and, and I want again, I want you to take a look at the crowds that are around you now, because this is a great testament of you being here. Um, it is a very conflicting time in the world, and, and you're going to hear me say this constantly. But the fortitude that you possess now, and the resolve that you possess now, will speak volumes to the next generation. But it also shows forth your desire to worship Christ, your desire to be here, and your desire to. Uh, no, no matter the conflict, whether great or small, that you're here. And so, again, thank you for being here. I want you to open up to um, Isaiah 61. We're going to be there mostly today, but I'm also going to read from another portion of Scripture as well. We'll dismiss the boys and girls to junior church if you guys uh, want to get up and get ready to go. And the fact that we have a good group going is, again, another testament of the Lord in, in our churches. Uh, of many boys and girls and even teenagers uh, that we have the ability to serve today. You're visiting with us today. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, you are, we are delighted to have you. We're so thankful that you're here. Isaiah 61, um, I'm also going to read a little bit from Luke 2 and, and maybe one verse from Matthew 1 later on, but uh, Isaiah 61 is what I want us to mostly look at this morning. Let's again open up in a word of prayer. Father, once again, we come to you, Lord, needing your power, needing your grace. And Father, we know that we can't do anything in our own strength, nor should we ever endeavor to. Father, thank you that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Thank you for taking all the shame and all the sin and the penalty of sin on the cross, Father, that we who have caused that and we who have, have done those things, Lord, can be set free. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just draw people unto yourself, that you might be glorified. I pray that you would save people that need to be saved. Lord, I pray that you would just convict us who need to be convicted. I pray that you challenge us who need to be challenged, encourage us who need to be encouraged. Thank you for all who you are, Lord. We pray all this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We think about the birth of Jesus, and I think a lot of people are okay with Christmas. I think the vast majority of the world is okay with Christmas. But, um, you know, in, mo in recent times, in modern times, it's even a little bit controversial to say Merry Christmas. We don't want to offend anyone. We say Happy Holidays. I, I've kind of felt that there was a little bit of a resurgence this year of people saying Merry Christmas. But I feel like they said Merry Christmas al almost like a boldness, like Merry Christmas. As if that was some great testament of something. Uh, Jesus is, Christmas is, is welcomed. I, I think Santa Claus is welcomed. I think buying things at stores and giving gifts and trees are welcomed. But even the nativity scene is polarizing. Right? In many places, we can't have that. We can't have it in a municipal place, perhaps, or we, we don't want, want to even allow that um, to be there because that might show a kind of bias to a certain religion or a bias to a certain truth. And we know this, that Jesus is so much more than a baby in a manger. If Jesus in a manger is polarizing, think of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lion out of the tribe of Judah, who will come again. Think of how polarizing 
he is then to the rest of the world. And he shouldn't have to be. He shouldn't have to be. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. But yet, the name Jesus, right? There is no other name by which is blasphemed as a curse word. Like nobody says, oh my Allah, or oh my Muhammad, or oh my Buddha, or things like that. But to say Jesus Christ in a way that when you stub your toe, or you get mad at something, uh, God's name is the one taken in vain. And I want to tell you something in, in a sense of just where Satan is and where God is in all this. But Jesus' coming can be quite polarizing, and yet the vast response to, by his coming, not only his second coming later on, but the response of his first coming is, is quite amazing as well. I'm going to read to you um, just a little portion of, of Luke 2 when he uh, came, the, the Christmas story. The Bible says in verse number 8, and they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. When Jesus, the, when the angel came to proclaim that Jesus had been born, the first response, and we don't, we don't discredit them for this, we understand it, was one of, of great fear. There was one of great shock. There was one of, of startling because they were out in the field just watching their sheep and uh, watching. And the thing that they probably had to watch out most for was some kind of wild animal. And then all of a sudden, here come the, the angels and here come the lights and here come all of that. And so they were so afraid. They, 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 they had a fear that had more to do with the shining of the light than the birth of Jesus, no doubt. But nevertheless, their fear was attached to the birth of Jesus. And so, uh, and for others, while they finally realized that this baby was the Messiah, it did bring great fear. And Jesus, throughout his life, caused fear in some people. Whether it was a righteous fear, as in the fear of the Lord, or whether it was a type of fear that was exhibited when Jesus came to the shore and met the man possessed with the legion of demons, and they were fearful that, of Jesus of sorts in that. When the demons came, what will that have to do with us, Son of the Most High God? And so sometimes people respond in fear when they don't need to. I think there's a lot of people who don't come to Christ because they're fearful of what that might mean. They're fearful of what church might mean. They're fearful of coming to God in that way. And yet, so that keeps them away of it. But as we continue on in that, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be all the people. Now, the response initially was fear, but the gospel message was no good tidings of great joy. The world thinks they have to stay away from Jesus. The world thinks that God is going to rob them, like I said the other day. Or the world thinks that God is going to do something that is, is going to ruin their life. And yet the angel responded with great joy. I don't know where you are in your journey with Christ. But you might feel that Christ doesn't love you or that Christ doesn't want you. You might feel that Christ is something to be avoided. But I would implore you this morning to take the message of what the angel said. No, 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 no. Fear thou not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, there is a lot of people in the world <clears throat> who will miss out on the joy that is Christ because of something that is stopping them from coming. Whether it's fear whether it's that's not for me, or whether it's ah, I don't believe that, or whether it's some kind of sin, or whatever it is, 
remind yourself of this, that joy shall be to all people. Yet it's forfeited for one reason or another, and I don't know what that individual reason might be in your life or what every reason is in the world, but I can tell you there's a lot of things that stop people from coming to Christ when it ought not to. It's good news. Now remind yourself of this. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows every sin, sin you've ever committed. He knows every rotten thing you've ever done. He knows every vile thought you've ever thought. He knows every place that you've went to that you shouldn't have went to. He knows every word you shouldn't have spoken that you did. He knows every wrong attitude. He understands it all, and he bore that shame. Now, turn over to, well, if you're already there, Isaiah 61. So some people had the response of fear, but the angel said, no, it should not be fear. It ought to be one of great joy. And I hope if you're a Christian today that you have a relationship with Christ that brings you great joy, that as you're walking with him, it ought to bring you great joy. Now, Satan is going to try to do everything in his power to rob you of that joy, to run interference of that joy. He doesn't want you to walk a joyful life. But Christ is joy. Now, look at Isaiah 61. This is a prophecy about 700 years before Christ was going to come. And we know that Christ is the fulfillment of this. For he stood up in the middle of a synagogue. In the book of Luke, it says, he stood up and said, he read this passage and said, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your midst. We know this is Christ. <clears throat> now maybe some of you, this is your first journey into church. Maybe some of you have been here basically your whole life. This is one of my favorite passages to describe what a relationship with Christ is who Christ is, what he has come to do. Look at Isaiah 61 now. So some people are afraid of Christ. Some people hate him. Some people want nothing to do with him. And yet the angel said, no, no, you have it all wrong. It's joy. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. I'm going to stop there for just a second. If you get a chance to either preach, to teach, to even share a message. And preaching here doesn't necessarily mean a pulpit ministry. I mean, I know it applying to Christ, but I want to point out something about the preaching, anointing me to preach. If you share your testimony, you share the gospel message with anybody, you give somebody a tract, you are sharing good tidings, good news. You're sharing the hope that the world is all looking for. This world is in despair and is depressed and is broken every which way. And it seems to be getting worse and worse each and every day. It becomes more and more fractured, like shattered glass, just falling apart. And he says he's anointed us to be able to preach. And again, applying specifically to Christ, but anointed to preach good tidings. Right now, what are we preaching? Good tidings, good news. I'm not here to give you bad news other than you're a sinner who deserves hell. That's the bad news. But that is only because it comes through with the good news that even though we are sinners who deserve to go to hell, Christ died in our place, that we might have a home in heaven with him. And so he says about Christ, he anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to prison to them that are bound. Do you notice here that to receive Christ is good news if you receive it? 
It, it, Christ is good news for those who will receive him, for those who will hear it and respond, for those who will say, yes, I want Christ, or I'm calling out on him as he draws me to him. I'm calling out on him to save me, to forgive me, to enter into that relationship with him, to preach good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted. If you've ever been brokenhearted before, Christ is the answer. And I don't mean that he's going to make all the emotions just fly away. But he's come for the meek. The meek are the lowly. The meek are the ones that uh, strength under control is as often defined. But the meek are often the non-prominent, non-ones that are, are having all the prestige, not the ones that have all the power in, in executive offices and things like that. Often they're, they're lowly. And I'm not saying anybody in those positions can't be meek. But Moses was meek and one of the greatest leaders. But I'm just saying the meek is often those that are forgotten. Those that, are, that go under the radar type of personality. And, and it says to bind up the broken heart. If you're broken hearted, Christ came to fix that, to bind that up, to proclaim liberty to the captives. What is liberty? It's freedom. He says if you're meek, if you're broken hearted, if you are, are um, in prison, Christ has been sent to set you free. That's good news. If if you and I were in prison and we were um, set to be executed and the night came where we were tied up on the bed to be given lethal injection or whatever means of capital punishment was going to be given and a phone rang and clemency came from the governor to say set that person free, I guarantee that would be good news and there would be rejoicing. And the Bible tells us that Christ came to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. But again, this is only for those who will receive it. Not to those that are fearful and won't come. Not to those that hate it. Not to those that reject it. But for those that come and as we celebrate Jesus' birth, and we think of how polarizing even the baby Jesus in a manger would be, or even the Ten Commandments might be in a courthouse, and how vile the word, the name of God might be in a school. I'm telling you, it's not vile. It's not something to be fearful of. It's not something to be hated. It's good tidings of great joy. Now, maybe you've come because you're brokenhearted. Christ is the answer. Maybe you've become because you are set captive. The, we are captive in our sin. Before we're saved, sin owns us. And sometimes even after we're saved, we still struggle with addictions or we still struggle with sins that so easily beset us or or habits that are hard to break and yet christ came to set us free to set us free from the bondage of sin to give us victory over sin to overcome the world in that if you struggle with something if you struggle with sin even if you're saved you're still struggling in it Christ has come to set you free. And if you've come today and you're bound in sin, you're not yet Christ, you're not a follower of Christ, hey, listen, let me encourage you to call out unto him that he might set you free. The Bible says here to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. So to proclaim the year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. God was coming back. He's coming the first, he came the first time. He's coming back. But also look at that, the comfort all that mourn. We're talking about people who are afflicted here. 
Verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them, it's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Look at those phrases, friend. I want you to be encouraged in this. Maybe you're already saved. You already have a walk with Christ, but you're still struggling. Maybe you're feeling depressed. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling down. Maybe you're mourning. Maybe something terrible has happened. Maybe you can't get over those feelings. Look what Christ can do. Beauty for ashes. Some people have asked me this question about cremation. Is cremation of the Lord? And I'm not here to tell you whether it is or isn't, but I want you to consider the meaning of their question. They said, should I get cremated? And they'll say, I heard that I shouldn't because that burns the body down to ashes. And what about the resurrection? How can Christ raise that back from ashes? Now I can tell you this, if you burned in a building and that's how you die and your body burned and you're saved, he can bring back the resurrection of the body even from ashes. But here, uh, the idea of what I'm stating this morning Imagine that your whole life has been brought down to ashes. There's no reconciling it. There's no fixing it. There's no, there's no correcting it. What can Christ do? Beauty for ashes. He can make something beautiful from something that's been burned, from something that's been destroyed, from something that's been utterly wrecked. Beauty for That's our Lord. Why would anyone not be rushed? I mean, if, if you understood the gospel, the question is not why our church is closing. The question isn't, why are there nobody, why is not as many people in church? The question really should be, why aren't people rushing to hear the message? Why aren't the, the, the church walls swelling with people? Why aren't people running in? This is what everyone is looking for, but don't know it. They're broken down and, 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 and destroyed, and yet Christ says, beauty for ashes. The joy of mourning for the garments of praise. He says, can I trade you? The, 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 the idea of the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He said, can I trade you? Here's a garment of praise and oil to anoint for joy, and I want to take your mourning, and I want to take the spirit of heaviness. You ever have the feeling of the spirit of heaviness upon you? where you're feeling so down and depressed or so anxious that you, you feel like you can't breathe. It feels like the world's literally collapsing on you. It could be because of things, circumstances. It could be because of sicknesses. It could be because of your job. It could be because of a relationship. It could be because of your sin. Whatever it is, that feeling of that. He said, let me give, give you the garment of praise. Let me switch with you. Let me give you a reason to praise out unto the Lord. Now, we listen to the devil, and I'll tell you this, the devil is going to constantly remind you reasons to mourn, reasons to feel ashamed, reasons to feel depressed, reasons to feel anxious, reasons to be critical, reasons to be critical against yourself, reasons to be heavy-hearted, reasons to have the spirit of heaviness upon you. And Christ says, no, it's my desire to take that from you. I want to give you beauty for ashes. I want you to give you the oil and joy for mourning, and I want to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why aren't more people running into Christ? 
This is what Christ provides in salvation and in our position in eternity. This is that they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. God wants to change us, wants to save us, wants to fix us, wants to do everything that it says here. And yet the world has such a problem with the manger. Such a problem with the birth of Christ. Such a problem with Merry Christmas. Such a problem with the name Jesus in any other way but a curse word. Some people feel fearful of it. But the angel said it's good tidings of great joy. And I'm telling you this right now. It's good news for those who will receive it. It's great news. And not only is it great news for those who will receive it, it's healing for the broken. It's healing for the broken. The gospel not only saves, but it heals. And the world is so much, so broken. Our hearts are broken. Broken hearts everywhere. Sin breaks hearts. Our sin. Their sin. And no matter where they turn to seek for help, there isn't any. I mean, in modern day, every, everybody turns to some kind of online kind of persona whether they're a YouTuber, and I'm talking to younger generations, YouTuber or social media, how many friends can I have, how many likes, how many followers. And they're literally broken down when they lose followers or where they're canceled. Their entire emotional makeup is based on how well liked they are by people they've never met. And Christ wants to provide real relationship and healing for the brokenness. And the world turns to this for temporary satisfaction until it runs out, and then they're broken again, and they got to turn to something else. And then that runs out, and they got to turn to something else. It's like the idea of getting a new car, or maybe you got a new gift. Some of you got new, wonderful presents yesterday. And I'm sure that today you're taking really good care of those wonderful presents. But I promise you there'll be some time down the road, unless you're really OCD and like, I take care of everything. <laughs> Chances are that's going to be collecting dust or broken down or rusted somewhere else one day and you can't even you can't even remember it. But it provided you joy for that moment. And that joy ran out. What doesn't run out, my friend, is Jesus. What doesn't run out is the joy that Jesus provides and what he provided on his death, what he provided in his life, what he provided, even if we hit rock bottom, he promises to heal those who have burned their life down. Those who have the spirit of heaviness and plant you and call you the tree of righteousness. My friend, are you broken today? Maybe your life has hit a wall. Maybe you've even felt like you've hit rock bottom. Jesus has come to bind your wounds. He alone is able to heal the brokenhearted. But you have to come to him. You might ask, well, does he want me to come? Yes. And this is him drawing you into him. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. You're here because Jesus loves you. And this is the proclaiming message of the Lord to the world, to, uh, to anoint me to preach glad tidings. And somehow, somehow, the devil in the world has turned these glad tidings to offensiveness. Do you ever share the gospel with someone who's your friend or your family member? And they got really annoyed with you? You're not true. I said this on, on Friday night. Christianity is not our preference. 
We're not in church because it suits us better than Buddhism. We're not in church following Christ because it suits us better than Islam. This is not the Western cultural um, ideology versus the Eastern cultural ideology versus the Middle East cultural ideology. This is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He said this, no man comes unto the Father but by me. We're not here because we wanted to be here and we decided this was the best fit for our lives. We're here because he is the truth and he wanted us to be here. And he drew us to him and died for us. And somehow still the world finds offense after offense after offense. When we tell somebody, hey, listen, you're a sinner, that's not to negate that I also am a sinner. We're telling them that so they know that they need a Savior. Be like somebody drowning out in the sea. And you threw him a lifeguard, uh, you know, you threw him a life preserver. Now, you want to throw a lifeguard out there too, you can, but throw a life preserver. Both of them drown, right? You throw him a life preserver. And they get really annoyed at you. They, well, you don't think I can swim? You, you don't think I can do this myself? Uh, no, I mean, you're, you're drowning. No, I'm not. I got this. No, you don't. Yeah, that's a stupid thing. That's the way the world often views the gospel message, as if we're offending them, as if we're trying to convince them of our way or trying to convince them of, uh, that they can't do it themselves. And guess what? They can't. Well, why wouldn't we want to be healed? Why wouldn't, if somebody right now developed the cure for cancer, people would applaud. Now, what would a doctor need to do to get somebody to take the medicine that would heal cancer? He's got to sit down with them first and say, listen, you have cancer. Don't tell me that's really offensive. But I need you to take the medicine so you can be healed. So you have cancer. That's the truth. Take this medicine and be healed. That's what would need to be done. But somehow in this world, the world hears you have cancer or Christ is the way. And they flip out. They're fearful. They're mad. They're angry. I won't turn there, but in Matthew chapter 1. So when, when the proclamation of Christ's birth was announced, the shepherds originally were fearful. Then the angel of the Lord came with the great good times, great joy. Then they ran to see it. And, and they were all excited about it. But you know, in Matthew chapter 1, it says that Herod was really angry about it. He was really wrathful about it. And he hated it. Because it was going to interfere with his position and his prestige and his placement there before them. But for, Christ, for those who will receive Christ, it's healing. It's freedom to those in bondage. It is beauty from ashes. It's beauty for ashes. And he wants us to release us from all that we face. Matthew 1.23 also tells us that when God came, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. Which literally meant that Jesus Christ with us, here 
for us. Friend, the, the coming of Christ and the message of Christ to some is a stumbling block. To some is a great offense. To some is a great tragedy. To some is, is a great problem. But number one, it's the truth. And number two, for those who will receive it, it's good tidings of great joy. It's healing of the broken. It's a releasing from bondage. It's a home in heaven. You realize that our sin does not allow us to walk into heaven. If God allowed sin into heaven, it would be no different than earth. And God is a holy God, and he cannot let sinful man into heaven. And so he died in our place that we might have all our sins forgiven. And he says this, all that come unto me I will in no wise cast out. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What God desires in your life today is that you come to him. Become a new creature. To be born again. To be forgiven of all your sins. To be, have the, white, the slate wiped clean. To heal the brokenhearted. To be able to set the captive free. To give beauty for ashes, joy for mourning of the garments of praise, the spirit, and for the spirit of heaviness. Verse 4 in Isaiah 61, just real quick, says, And they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations. It's all talking about what Christ will do in the kingdom and such. But he wants to rebuild all that's been broken. And he wants you to be with him in heaven, for sure. And so as we think about the Christmas story, as we think about the coming of Christ, and we think about what it provided and what it gave, it's not just a baby in a manger. It's not an offensive word. It's not a, a horrible thing. It is the only thing. Where are you right now? I want to keep this short and simple today. I want this message to be short and clear. Where are you? If you die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Because that's why Christ came, to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you are a believer, how is your relationship? Are you broken down? Are you in despair? Christ will heal it. Christ will fix it. Christ will, as you come to him, we don't need to allow the world and all of its ups and downs and all of its tragedies and all of its horribleness to afflict us. We don't need to be broken down in despair. We don't need to be running with, like chickens with our heads cut off. We don't need to be fearful at, at, a, at a great level. We have Jesus. We have the truth. And so as it is offensive for some, for us it's great joy. For us it's great excitement. For us it's, it's great wonder. For us it's everything. And we wonder why aren't more people in church. How has the message got so convoluted in their mind? And I understand men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But whereas people have offense, we have great joy. I want you to, and we're going to close in just a second, but I want you to consider this in your mind. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? 
Ask yourself that question. And if it's not heaven for sure, then consider calling on Christ. Consider thinking about this. Consider everything that we've been stating and consider getting saved today. And if you're here, Christian, I listen, we're not going to pretend that life's still not difficult, it's still not hard, and we can't still make a mess of our lives. Remind yourself of who Christ is and what he can do in the area of restoration, what he can do in the area of fixing, what he can do in beauty for ashes, and get excited about that and trust in his power in that rather than your own fixing of the solutions, rather than your own messing around to try to make it work or, or just lying in despair. Be encouraged today of who Christ is. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Father, I pray now, Lord, as we close out, as we think about this, Lord, I pray, Father, you'd work in the hearts of the people. I pray, Father, that you would call people unto yourself. I pray, Lord, that people would be saved. I pray that they would consider their end, that they would not hold up in their pride. They would not hold up that that they think they're good enough. They would not be offended by the message that we're sinners, that you died for us because you loved us. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that people wouldn't stay away from you, but, Father, they would receive good tidings of great joy. Father, they would receive, receive the good message, the good news, you came lord to be the savior of the world to be god with us and what a great message that is for those that will receive it what a tragic message for those that will reject it lord i pray father that you would speak in our hearts about that today lord no matter what the pretense is call people on yourself we ask for your power now in this moment with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed no one looking around can i pray for you this morning I'm going to ask basically just two areas that I can pray for you. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, can I pray for you about that? We're not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to force you to do something. We just want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? You said, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Please pray for me. Don't, Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, I'm going through a hard time emotionally. I'm going through, I'm a Christian. I'm going, I'm going through a hard time in my life or I'm going through a difficult thing and, and I need God's healing. I need God's anointing. I need God's beauty for ashes. Could you pray for me about some difficult situations in my life? Would you quietly raise your hand so I can pray for you about that? See, I see many hands, many hands. I can tell you this, in times that I have been downtrodden and, 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 and just feeling afflicted, I'm reminded that God brings beauty for ashes. I just remind myself that all the time, beauty for ashes. Sometimes I look out behind my life and say, man, I messed up a lot of things, and I burned down a lot of bridges, and I messed up other people's lives at times, yet God brings beauty for ashes. And when I feel the spirit of heaviness, I ask God for the, spirit, for the garment of praise. Lord, please give me that. We sung, count your blessings. Whether the conflict great or small, there's still something to praise God for even when it feels like there's nothing. I want to encourage your heart about that. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. As the piano is about to play,
If you have something to pray for, can I encourage you to step out of your seat and just use the front row or these pews up here just to bow down and take a few moments to pray. I don't need to know what you're praying about. I can if you need my help with something. But why don't you just come? If there's a difficult situation, cry out unto God. If there's a, a, a brokenness, cry out to God. But you, why don't you come? Step out of your seat and come to him. Let that be a first step in your journey. But if you're hesitant and you, and you don't want to come, you know we're not going to make you, but I want to encourage you to. And it's supposed to be private, so you, don't, you can come thinking no one's going to see you. I think we take Christ for granted so much. And I think that we take too much of life in our own hands. We forget that we're like children who don't know how to go in or out. We forget that we are still sinners. We forget that we still make messes. Let us hold to the cross. Let us hold at his feet. Let us hold Christ. Please fix, help, restore. And if you've never called on Christ to save you, the Bible says this, Whosoever, well, if a man is not born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. If you've never been born again, if you've never called on Christ to save you, you need to. There's still people praying. There's still time for you. Father, we praise your name, Lord, for how good you are, despite how wicked we often are. Father, we are so far removed at times from who you would desire us to be. Father, thank you for looking at a sinful world and sinful people such as us and loving us in an infinite way, Lord, that you would die for us. Father, you could have left us to just wallow in our sin, but Father, you loved us and died for us. Thank you, Lord, that we have the truth that you can make and you do make beauty for ashes. So Lord, I, I commit unto you my ashes. I commit unto you my spirit of heaviness. I commit unto you my mourning. Lord, I ask you replace it with beauty, joy, and a garment of praise. Thank you so much, Lord, for how you love us so. And Father, thank you for restoring us to your relationship with you, Father, when we get saved, but also on a daily basis. Lord, I pray that you would bless the fellowship and the refreshments that are to follow. We pray now all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song.